When I was growing up, you kind of like, what was the million dollar question? What do you want for Christmas? Or what, what's your grand wish for the world? And it was world peace. Anywhere you look, people are in need of peace. And if you haven't noticed, people are kind of angry. I mean, it's just frustrating that you can't like disagree and be civil about it in our world today, it seems to be. So I just feel like God wants me to learn about what that looks like. You read through the Bible, it's so full of peace. And so that's just what I want to say tonight is that Jesus is our peace. That's why we're here to celebrate him tonight. He is our peace. You might recognize this painting by Vincent van Gogh. He painted this in 1889, and it's called Starry Night. He painted this 1889 in St. Paul de Mazou, and he was in a sanatorium. He was suffering from epileptic fits, some hallucinations, paranoia, depression. He was in a very dark place in his life. And he painted a series of paintings from his hospital room on this scene, looking out of his window and over the city down below. And this one was the one that got the most traction as the most famous, one of his more famous paintings. But he painted several of those scenes during different times of the day and afternoon, evening. And one of those, uh, all those paintings have one thing in common. He didn't paint the bars on the windows. He just was looking out, and you can see the, 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 the yellows and the blues and the, the cypress tree stretching up to the heavens and the church there below. It just kind of makes me think of almost of a Christmas setting with the little white church and steeple and things like that. But that was painted in a really dark, depressed time in Vincent van Gogh's life. Uh, he actually was the son of a preacher and for a season was in the ministry. But he had seasons of depression and sadness. And maybe some of you are here tonight and you can say, yeah, I know what he feels. Or maybe you don't deal with depression and anxiety on a daily basis, but we still have those days where life is just kind of blah. And so I'm hoping that tonight we can find how Jesus is our peace, even in these dark times, depressed times, these times where sometimes life is just kind of blah. And so as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's in the Pew Bible if you'd like to follow along on page 958, but we're, we're walking through these, uh, la- these chapters in 1 Thessalonians this uh, month here in December, so we're getting to chapter 5. Three different times we find the word peace in this final chapter 1 Thessalonians. In fact, Paul bookends this letter with peace. He starts it in verse 1, chapter 1, grace and peace to you. And then he closes it near the end in chapter 5, 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. So as we walk through these passages today, I just want to look at three, uh, three times that this word peace shows up. And the first time it shows up, it's in verses 1 through 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it's really a warning to beware of false promises of peace. Listen to the word of God for us tonight. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And so during this letter that we've been studying this month from 1 Thessalonians, where it really focuses on the second coming of Jesus, and we're hoping that 
by thinking about the second coming of Jesus, it will help us remember and celebrate his first coming tonight. And so he's saying the coming of, of the Lord, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. You're not going to expect him. You're not going to know when. Verse 3, when people are, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Is there a pregnant lady in the Christmas story? Yeah, Mary probably knows a little bit about what this feels like. The, the time came and Mary and Joseph make their way down to Bethlehem and the time came for her to give birth to her child, firstborn, Jesus. And while there are some times when you kind of know the time is close, those babies come when they come, don't they? And so we're not sure exactly when, but the time will come, Jesus says. The day the Lord's going to come, when you do not expect, but you can be sure that it will come, they will not escape. And he says, while people are saying peace and safety, that was a common phrase in the Roman Empire. They would just say, hey, everything's going to be okay, peace, safety. Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. So maybe Paul's saying, you better watch out who's telling you to watch that everything's okay. Be careful that you look for peace in the government because that may not be where you're going to find it. And he's saying that in the first century. Beware of where you find peace. But there is one government that can bring peace. There is one. And we had heard it read earlier. The prophet Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It's 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. But here's what the prophet Isaiah says, hears and says through the power of the Holy Spirit. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We celebrate that Prince of Peace tonight. You go on in our text in verses 4 through 11, there's another warning about finding peace in other places that will not fulfill Verse 4, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so, as, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope, the hope of salvation as a helmet. Sounds a little bit like Ephesians chapter 6. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 10, very clearly in the gospel, he just says, He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. He says, followers of Jesus, he reminds them, this is who you are. You are children of the day. We do not belong to the night. Those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. There are some times that we pursue peace in ways that will not provide it. False peace. Escapist type behaviors. There's not enough alcohol in the world to drain your sorrows away. There's not enough whatever you want to fill in the blank to escape to that will give you enduring peace. Only the peace of Jesus. 
Our text continues in verse 12, where we get our second phrase for peace. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Verse 13, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Is that kind of hard to do? Yeah, I mean, it's just like the third day in winter break at our house. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> your house is probably a little bit like our house. And when you're kind of cooped up into some short amount of spaces, sometimes you, it's hard to live at peace with others, isn't it? But he says, you live in peace with each other. And then he's going to rattle off a lot of commands. And I just wonder if Paul is writing this letter, maybe these are ways that you can live at peace with other people. He might be just giving us some, here's what it looks like. Here's what you do. Because that just sounds really nice. Live at peace with one another. What's that really mean? How do we do that? What's that look like? Verse 14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Does anybody else have a hard time with that one? Be patient with everyone? Anybody have a hard time with that when you're shopping this week? Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. That sounds like it's a recipe for living at peace with other people. He continues, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Second time we've found that phrase in this letter, God's will for you. We saw it earlier last week in chapter 4, four verse 3. It's God's will for you that you should be sanctified or set apart and holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That was chapter 4, verse 3. Today, chapter 5, verse 15, verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God just wants you to be thankful. He's got some more commands. Don't quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So you want something to do based on Christmas Eve service? We just had a long list of some things you may want to consider putting into practice this week. Might be hard to do all of them at once, but maybe you need to pick, on, pick out one of those. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Encourage the dis, dishearted, disheartened, and help the weak. Be patient with everyone. So we have the warning, beware of false promises. We have the encouragement, live in peace with each other. It was Christmas Eve, 1914. Remember what's going on in the world? World War I. And during World War I, there was this Christmas Day truce. Pope Benedict was asking for them to have a truce between the Germans and, and the Allies and the, the British and those were fighting and there was this no man's land there in 1914. And there was a story that kept resonating out. The British could hear across the way, 300 yards, some of them were saying, 30 yards in other way, places. They could hear the Germans singing Christmas carols. 
and they could see little Christmas. They were doing trenches, trench warfare back then, you remember. And so they could see these Christmas trees, and the Germans were putting candles on their Christmas trees. And then some people even heard, hey, tomorrow, you no shoot, we no shoot. You come halfway, we'll come halfway. And one by one, they start climbing out of their trenches. And they start helping each other gather up their dead. Millions died in this war. And they exchanged gifts. Now, these are enemies. They're just a day or two before we're shooting at one another. And they gathered there in no man's land Christmas 1914. One guy was given shaves, I think, for cigarettes. That was what his, they were paying him for. And they played a game of football, soccer. Enemies came together at Christmas. That Christmas, peace came to earth. I just have a hunch that Christmas just kind of makes things right, doesn't it? Because at Christmas is really when we think about the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And so when God calls us to live at peace with one another, He can even turn enemies into friends for at least a day. So what's it look like for us? How are we going to live with peace this Christmas, tonight, tomorrow? We have some action steps that he just gave us there in those last few verses. We also have another resource to remind you. We've got Right Now Media. If you don't have that, we'd love to give it to you. It's free, free uh, for you. You can just text Berlin CC to 49775. Call us at the church office if you'd like some help. But there's lots of videos and lessons and small group material we'd love to make available to you and Shane Wood's got this lesson we're promoting called Between Two Trees we're living between the tree of life and the garden of Eden and the tree of life and the new heaven new earth what do we do in between how do we live at peace we come on to verse 50, chapter 523 and we get this third and final phrase or word of peace it's the third of three prayers in Thessalonians Paul says, may, the, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Again, clean you up, set you apart. It's those special dishes that you're going to use for, for your Christmas dinner this weekend. The ones that you don't put Taco Bell on, you know which ones I'm talking about, okay? Those are sanctified, they're set apart. So may God, the God, God himself, the God of peace, set you apart through and through, spirit, soul, body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to come back again. And so as we look toward his first coming, we need to remember that he is coming again and we long for that. The God of peace, it's one of Paul's favorite phrases to describe God, 
I love that for the first verse, first part of it. May God himself. Sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? God didn't send an assistant. He sent himself, his very own son, the God of peace. Do you remember what the angels said? Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14. Babies wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Chapter 2, 13 and 14, Luke's gospel. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's a lot of peace in the Bible. It's going to be a year-long journey for me to figure it all out. Here's what I came to say tonight. The more we trust the Prince of Peace, the more people will embrace peace. Some of us want to say, well, it starts with us. No, I think it starts with Him, the God of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Without Him, we have no peace. So if you're at my house on most evenings when life goes according to plan, which isn't always the case but most of the time we get together with whoever's awake at bedtime sometimes there's kids out and about doing their thing and sometimes uh, they've checked out early and gone to bed but generally when life is according to plan we'll gather in the living room and I'll just say it's time to pray and this is just our ritual I hope that you especially those who have kids at home you have a ritual at bedtime. You need to have these rituals for your kids. And so I say it's time to pray. And sometimes we'll go from youngest to oldest and everybody says a prayer in our house. Or sometimes it's one of the kids, usually a teenager, say, can we just have one big prayer? It means they're ready to go to bed. We just, Dad, will you say the prayer so we can go on to bed? Fine. Uh, sometimes we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. And so usually whenever we say our prayer, then we say that amen, they always know there's one more prayer coming. And this is the ritual. That's from Numbers chapter 6. And I say this to my kids. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you, and then they know what to say next, peace. And then sometimes we'll say, Shalom. That's our ritual. The more we trust the Prince of Peace, the more people will embrace peace. I pray that our church will be people of peace because of our Prince, our Prince of Peace. I pray your families can experience more peace because we have a peaceful God who wants to make us whole and put us back together again.